food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. Do you feel like you have a handle on your blog content? This can be something that can create so much mental clutter, at least for me personally and the bloggers I talk to, that it stops us in our tracks from actually producing quality content moving forward. So this is a topic that I talk about with Alexandria Drizgalski from The Foreign Fork in this episode. She talks about her amazing Airtable knowledge and how she uses Airtable to keep track of all of her blog content and how she also uses it to repurpose content from different platforms and season to season and any way you can repurpose content. She talks through so many valuable things inside this episode. She gets really deep and also talks about how just to simply get started with Airtable because it's not as overwhelming as you might think. So tune in. This is episode number 426, sponsored by Rank IQ. Hello, my favorite people. Let's chat quick about some ways eBlogTalk can help you ditch the overwhelm, manage your time, feel connected, and prioritize that seemingly never-ending stream of tasks, platforms, and algorithm changes we're faced with. The eBlogTalk Mastermind Program is our signature offering and the best investment you will make in your blogging business. This is a transformative 12-month experience that will help you achieve your goals faster than you ever thought possible. Join the waitlist for 2024 groups. Go to eBlogTalk.com forward slash mastermind to get in on that. If the mastermind program is on your dream board, but you aren't quite ready to make that investment in your business yet, the next perfect step for you might be the Eat Blog Talk Mini Minds. This six-month program is designed to help you achieve your goals and overcome any obstacles that may be holding you back so you can experience the freedoms you're yearning for. Join the waitlist for groups starting in Q4 of 2023 at eatblogtalk.com forward slash mini minds. And if you are ready to learn, grow, and build relationships in person, join me and a handful of your fellow food bloggers at an upcoming Eat Blog Talk retreat. This is a great opportunity to convene in an intimate setting to learn, collaborate, and connect. These retreats involve mastermind-style peer-to-peer collaboration and are incredibly powerful and fun experiences. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash retreat. To get information about all eBlogTalk services, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash services, eblogtalk.com forward slash services. Now back to the episode. Alexandria Drzgalski is the food blogger behind The Foreign Fork, a project where she is cooking a meal from every country in the world. After backpacking to 15 countries in Europe and taking cooking classes in each one, Alexandria decided to take her project of cooking around the world home with her. She started her blog in 2018 and to date has cooked over 400 recipes from over 85 countries. The Foreign Fork has been featured in BuzzFeed, the Detroit News, and Elite Daily and is the recipient of the Savour Blog Award for Most Groundbreaking Voice. Most importantly, Alexandria is proud to have helped over 5 million readers across the world put some culture in their kitchen. Alexandria, hello. How are you doing? I'm so happy to have you here again. 
Hi, Megan. I'm great. I am so excited to be here again. I always love chit-chatting with you, so I'm really excited. The last time we talked was 2020 on the podcast, so yes. it's been nearly three years. That's so crazy. <laughs> I know. Time flies. Today, we're going to talk about Airtable. I know you're like the Airtable queen. I heard you present at Tastemaker, and it was such a good presentation, so I am super excited to get into that. But first, we want to know if you have a second fun fact to share with us. Yes, I do. So I was kind of trying to brainstorm the most like obscure, random fun fact I could think about myself. And this is what I came up with. When I was probably around maybe eight or so years old, my aunt, she owns a horse ranch in California. And so we would always go out there to visit her for a couple weeks in the summer and ride her horses and things like that. And she used to compete in barrel racing in rodeos when we would go to her house. And so one summer we went to her house and we went to one of the rodeos that she was competing in. And she had me compete in mutton busting, which is (laughs) where, like, as a kid, you get onto the back of a sheep and you ride the sheep around, like, kind of similar to how an adult rides bull. Um, You ride the sheep around until it knocks you off. And then whoever stays on the longest wins. And I was the champion of the rodeo (laughs) (laughs) in the mutton busting competition. (laughs) Okay, I have the funniest visual in my mind of little Alexandria, just like arms flying in the air. That is hilarious. Yes. When I, so the, they have like these rodeo clowns so that when you fall off, the rodeo clowns will keep the sheep away from you. And so when I was riding, I kind of like slipped off of the sheep, but I still really wanted to win. I'm very competitive. (laughs) And so I was like holding on to its belly, like underneath it, riding it kind of like a sloth. And the (laughs) the clowns kept telling me like, let go, let go. But I really wanted to win. So I didn't let go. And I did in fact win. (laughs) Okay. That was a fun fact. Like none other. I don't think Anyone will ever beat that. <laughs> what a the call. visuals we all have in our minds are great. <laughs> I love you even more. That just Thanks. says so much about you. Like you're unwilling to like not lose, right? You're just determined to win, <laughs> even if it requires holding on to the underbelly. <laughs> of the sheet. My mom said of when I sheet. got off, I had uh, fur underneath my fingernails. So. Oh my gosh. It, uh, oh hard. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I love it. My pleasure. Thanks for giving me Yes. (laughs) I mean, rarely do you have an opportunity to share such things, right? And this provided you that outlet. (laughs) Okay. So Airtable, you are the queen. I love all that you have to say about Airtable and how you utilize it. It's so powerful. And I think people are kind of intimidated by it because they think it's more complicated than it is, but it's really easy and simple to get into and it's free. And I know you use it to repurpose content and that's what you're going to talk about today. So how did you get into this? How did you start getting into the powers of Airtable to repurpose? Yes. So I absolutely love Airtable, but I didn't start using it specifically as a reason or as a method to repurpose my content. That just kind of came from using Airtable in general after a little bit. So the original reason that I started using Airtable was because I did not really have a list or a master log of all of the content that I had on my blog for a really long time. I kept that list kind of 
running in my head. And when you're the one making the content, you remember what you have and what you don't have up until a point. But at some point in time, I ended up having, you know, over 350 blog posts and recipes. And at that point, you kind of, it starts to get a little fuzzy. (laughs) For a couple Mm -hmm. of years, I could rely on my memory. But after a couple of years of blogging, I had so much content that I you know, would get confused and I couldn't remember if I'd made something or not. And then all of my content was just kind of getting lost. I was kind of, you know, forgetting what I had and what I had to share and things like that. And so my original purpose for using Airtable was I just wanted to have a system where I just had like one big list of all of the content that I had on my blog with some defining information about it. And so I had originally started by using Google Sheets and I had tried to use Asana and a couple of other similar types of formats for keeping control of my content. But it wasn't until I found Airtable that everything really clicked. So for people that maybe haven't used Airtable or don't know what it is, it kind of looks like a Google Sheet. So it has that similar grid format, but it is so much more intuitive to add additional information and like sort through that information. And so when I had tried using Google Sheets, it just felt very kind of like archaic. I didn't have the knowledge to figure out how to like sort by the information that I had or anything. And I I was not trained in how to do like the coding and things like that on Excel. So when I came across Airtable, it just was so much more intuitive to me. It had like the pretty colors, but it still had the the very familiar setup of a Google Sheet. But then learning what to do with that information was a lot easier on Airtable than it was on um, Google Sheets. So that's how I came across Airtable. And then I used it to set up a master post log of all of the content that I have on my website. And then repurposing content came kind of after that. Okay. And then price, I know it's free up to a certain, is it number of cells or how does, do you know how that works? I think it's free. You can have, I don't know. I have a lot of bases and views and things like that on Airtable and I have not had to pay for more yet. So I don't know the exact number, but I do know that I'm still using the free version. Some areas that you might have to consider doing a paid version is, for example, if you want different colors, there are some colors that come with it, which is fine. And then if you want like the pretty pastel colors, you have to pay (laughs) for the paid version. And similar to that, there's also if you have other employees or virtual assistants or something like that, that you want to give them their own private access to Airtable, then you have to pay per additional person that's using your Airtable. I uh, personally don't want to pay to do that. It can get rather expensive. So there's nothing, you know, proprietary in my yeah. table. I just give my VAs my login and then I don't have to pay yeah. for it. I did that accidentally once. I did like the share, but I did the share wrong. So make sure if you're sharing a template, you do it <laughs> like the correct way because I shared it as if I were adding people to my team, like collaborators or something. And I didn't know it. And I shared it with like 10 people. And then... I got the bill and it was like, oh no, you owe a thousand dollars. And I was like, no. oh, I freaked. Yes. But thankfully their customer service is so good. I reached out and explained. I was like, I did not mean to do this. This was a total accident. And they're like, no worries. We, they reimbursed me the whole thing. Oh, and then awesome. they showed me like how to do it the correct way. So if you are sharing just like, I always Google it, like how to share with 
you know, I don't know, read-only access or something mm-hmm. like that. So something to keep in mind because <laughs> I was yeah, like, that is a very good tip. That's tech. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you now use it to repurpose. So let's talk about that. What is repurposing? Can you kind of define that for us? Yes. So repurposing content is the act of kind of reusing or reformatting the content that you have to give it as much life as you possibly can on as many platforms as you possibly can so that you can have more content for the same amount of work, which we love that work smarter, not harder. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And then do you have an idea in your mind about how many posts you should have before you start thinking about repurposing? Oh, that's a good question. I don't have like a singular number that is like, this is the number that the you magic can number. start repurposing content. I, f- I feel like you can start repurposing content right away because there's different methods of repurposing content. And so you are going to have different audiences on different platforms. You're going to need the same information to be coming in different formats based off of what platform you're using. And so there's a couple different definitions is what you could think of as repurposing content, but at its very base to me, you can get more complicated, but at its very basic level to me, repurposing content just means like using that same information that you have and sharing it as many places as possible and as many different formats as possible to reach a larger audience and make sure that you are like spreading the word about the thing that you're teaching about far and wide. And so with that being the definition, you can repurpose your content with your very first post, right? You can do something different on TikTok. TikTok than you do on Instagram, than you do, for example, if you're going on a podcast and you have something to share, et cetera. Okay. And then why do you think it's so important to do this constantly? I'm assuming that you have like an ongoing loop of repurposing and why is it so important to do that? Yes. I, first of all, I really need to rely on my systems for repurposing content because I'm at a point in my blogging career where I you know, I've, I've hustled a lot, but now I'm kind of tired of the hustling. And so (laughs) I want to be able to do the same amount of work, but have five times the content that I can share. And so what I have right now, um, just kind of like go backwards a little bit so that you can kind of understand is I have this master post log on Airtable and it does have the URL to my blog post. It has the name of my blog post, but it also has a lot of like defining characteristics of the different blog posts so that I can kind of group them in ways that I need to keep track of them. So for example, my blog, the premise of my blog is that I'm cooking a meal from every country in the world. So one of my columns on Airtable is keeping track of what country that recipe is from. I also have columns that are based off of um, like holidays or seasons. And so repurposing content for me is really important as well, because when I do, for example, if I have like a Italy week on my website, I have this list that shows me all of the content I have for Italy that I can repurpose, even though I made Italy a couple of months ago. Or if it's winter time and I want to start sharing winter recipes, this is one big master log that just has all of my winter recipes. And so it is having a system as a way for me to kind of make sure that I am continuing to go back to the content I already made before and kind of give it a new life, make sure that it's seen on my platforms. And then also, um, if there's ever a time in which you want to start a new platform, that's a, a great method as well to make sure that you use the same content that you already have to get in front of a new audience. And all of this requires like organization, right? So yeah. you need, I think you need 
kind of a system in place in order to do this effectively. Otherwise, like you were saying earlier, your brain can only handle so much. And then there's a point where it's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I did or what I need to do. And then I encounter food bloggers like this all the time that are in that space where they're like, I'm just so confused. Like, I don't know what to do next. And they don't have this log or like a master sheet for them to refer to. So it's super important to have a system. Yes. Yes. And I will admit, um, the first time that I heard about doing a post log, I was listening to a very old episode of Food Blogger Pro, I think like maybe a couple of months into when I started my blog. And Bjork was talking about, oh, every single time we post something, we put it in this content log and we have a list of the the name and the URL. And he was kind of explaining the idea of a content log. And I remember I was like driving for my day job and um, I was listening to that podcast and I was like, I don't need to know this. I This is not something <laughs> that I need. I know what my content is. And a couple of years later, I was having flashbacks to the episode. I was like sitting at my computer and I was trying to remember what my, how I could make content calendar for the entire winter. And I couldn't remember like kind of what I had. And I had actual flashbacks to listening to that podcast. And I was like, okay, I do need to do this. Sorry. Sorry for um, thinking that I didn't need to. Yes. (laughs) I know. I think somehow we feel like, oh, I don't need to. I can remember. I was that way with podcast guests forever. I was like remembering everyone I talked to and remembering the episode. And then there was a point where I'm like, oh crap, this needs <laughs> to be because you you just like get to this mental place where you can't take in any more information. So I actually have an Airtable base for all of my podcast episodes and the guests and the number and the date and all of the information that I need because we just need that. Like we can't We can't assume that we're going to be able to handle that in our minds forever. Exactly. Especially when now that you've had your podcast for so long and you have so many episodes, you definitely need like a way to just kind of keep track of that. So that's awesome. I know you use Airtable too and you really like it as well. So that's cool to hear that you use it for the podcast too. Yes. I love it. It's my favorite. Okay. So talk to us about how you use Airtable to do repurposing. Yes. Okay. So because this is an audio format, I'm just going to kind of try to talk through how I have my Airtable set up and the different methods that I use as examples. Some of the things I'm going to share with you are just like examples of how I use it, but there is there are like infinite ways that you can store your content on Airtable. So this is how I do it, but also keep in mind that what the things I need to know might not be exactly the things that the pers- the people listening to this need to know. And there, it's really easy for them to kind of take this knowledge and then adjust as necessary. Okay. So on my Airtable, I have one master, as I was explaining, one master post log, and that has the name of each article of mine, the URL to it. And then, like I said, some defining characteristics of each of those blog posts. And so that could be things like I mentioned, holidays, seasons, country, etc. And then I also have some different columns that are just very simply checkboxes. And so there will be a checkbox column, for example, shared on Facebook or shared on TikTok, shared on YouTube Shorts. And then I also have a column next to each of those that has the date that I last shared it on those platforms. So based off of 
all of that information, there are then different functions that you can use on Airtable to sort all the information that you have in your master post log based off of the different columns and the different checkboxes that you've inserted into this page. It sounds really complicated. It is not complicated at all. There's a little button at the top that says filter or group, and you can just kind of select the things that you want it to pull out. And what will happen then is it will show you only the information that matches the criteria that you've set. You're doing a good job of explaining this. I'm like picturing it in my mind. So <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So I was going to ask if you had any questions on that, but that's good to know. So yeah. <laughs> For example, my favorite function on Airtable that I use the most frequently is the filter function. So this will kind of, once you select the filter button, there will be a list of all of the columns that you have on your entire Airtable. And you can go through and check them and check which ones you want the content to be filtered by. So for example, if I wanted to show all of my seasonal content that needed to be reshot, I would have a column on my Airtable that's just on my master log. And every single time I put an article into my master log, there would be a column on my Airtable that has a place for me to fill in the season. So I would fill in every time I post a recipe, if I think that this is winter leaning content or like summer content that fits like summer food, I would put that season in that column. And then I also have a column that's called up-to-date photos. And so every time I post a new article, I have my up-to-date photos, like the, the checkbox is checked there because all of my photos in that case are new. But going back in my blog, there are a lot of photos that are, are not up-to-date. And so the checkbox in that column for those really old photos would not be checked. So for example, if winter's coming up and I want to filter my content by the winter content that's coming up that needs new photos because the photos are bad, I would just be able to filter based off of those two columns where I could say, show me all of the columns that are winter and also all of the ones that are not having up-to-date photos. And it would just pull up all of those specific posts that match that criteria. And then I'd be able to use that as a checklist to go through my content from there. So that's kind of a basic example of how the filter function works. Yeah, that's amazing. And you can filter like different columns at the same time is kind of what you're saying. So it doesn't have yes. to be. And I feel like in Google Sheets, it gets a little more confusing. Like you were saying, I don't know all of the equations or whatever they call it there. But in Airtable, it's just like you just filter and that's it. It's so easy. Yes. My fiance is a data analyst by day. And so his entire job all the time is going through different Google Sheets or Excel spreadsheets and doing, can't remember what he calls them, but the, it's like he has to literally key in code um, in order to have it like filter yeah. by columns and stuff. And so on this, it's just so much more like user-friendly, intuitive. You don't have to be a data analyst to be able to do this. You can just click the button and it will do all of that hard work for you. I haven't even had to pull up Airtable. You just like, that was such a good explanation. I think everyone's <laughs> going to know exactly what you're talking about. Thank you. Yeah. So nice. I know it's hard to like describe visually something when people can't see what you're talking about. So um, you did awesome. And then as far as like you mentioned the view, it's kind of like a spreadsheet view that is the default, but you can mm -hmm. also switch views. So can you talk yes. about the different views? 
Yes, there are a few different views. And also for anyone that's listening to this, if you're really interested in Airtable, you can also kind of pull up an Airtable on your computer while you're listening to this and kind of like click through the views while I'm talking through them, if that's helpful for you. But there are different views. So the main one that I use is the grid view. And that's, so that's kind of why I'm speaking to it based off of that being my that's my personal comfort zone of where I like to see my content displayed that way. Because like I said, it's very intuitive to me. It's something that we've been using a grid format for a long time, like in school and stuff like that growing up. So I do personally look at the grid view the most, but if you are not keen on having your information displayed in that grid format, there are also different ways where it will take that exact same information. You don't have to do anything to make it show up differently, but it will show you different ways of seeing that same content in a different format that speaks better to your brain. So for example, one of the different views that they have is a calendar view. So you can you can have all of that same content that's on your main log and instead you can have it show up on a calendar based off of like the date in one of your columns. So if I want to see the last time that I've posted something on Instagram or for example, I do use the calendar view for making a content calendar coming up. So I will put in my master post log, I will put a column that says share on Instagram on, and then put the date in. And then I'll be able to view that on a calendar view instead of on the grid view so that it can kind of be a more visual for my brain. So that's one way. There's also a Kanban view, which is kind of like tiles that you can move the tiles around based off of in this example, let's say you have um, your master post log, but you have the example I was using before of the content needs to be reshot, you could have like these little tiles that kind of all show in a row and then you can kind of drag and drop them down the page as you like move through your checklist of things you need to do for the post. So that's another way that you can sort them. Those are, I think, the two main other ones besides the grid. Hey, food bloggers, whether you are a foodie podcaster or just a food blogger who doesn't yet have a podcast, you might be looking to spice up your social media account with unique and exciting content. If you want that secret edge that makes you stand out in your niche, I might have the answer for you. Katarina from Creators Abroad can help you streamline your podcasting and or social media endeavors with audio editing, video editing, or social media strategies. She specializes in working with food bloggers, tailoring her content creation packages to their needs. Whether you want to explore something new like creating a gripping podcast, or if you want to refresh your social media strategies by creating scroll-stopping video content for platforms like Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, she has got you covered. If this sounds intriguing, get in touch with Katarina. Receive a 10% discount off your first purchase by using the code EBT101. Offer lasts until September 1st, 2023. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash resources to get more information about Katarina's services. Again, eblogtalk.com forward slash resources and click on Katarina's link. Now let's get back to the episode. The one you just mentioned is similar to Trello, right? So if you use Trello, I think that would be something that made sense to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's 
very similar to Trello, but then you also have the added bonus of having the other Airtable like methods of using it. So if you like Trello and you like the view of Trello, you can emulate that exact same thing on Airtable, but then also have the added capabilities of Airtable. So I still really recommend it. And something I use occasionally is the form. So it's like a really easy form that you can just pull up and then you can type in like specific questions. So if you wanted to send out a survey to your audience, for example, you can like set it up so it looks like a form, like it actually looks like the survey, but then you can switch to the grid view and see people's responses in grid view, which is so cool. It's like magic when people (laughs) fill out the survey and then submit, it just magically turns into this amazing grid with all the answers. That is awesome. I actually have not used the form. I know that the form exists because I've filled out an Airtable form for other people, like if they've sent one to me. So I've been a user on that, but I have never been the one to set up a form and have it populate in. So that's really cool. Do you use that on like for email or something? I mean, if I were do, you know, I I don't know. I'm kind of a neglectful food blogger these days, but I, (laughs) I do it more for like surveys or like if I'm trying to, I don't know, just gauge responses for something for eBlog Talk, I'll just send out a quick survey that way. And it's so, so easy. I highly recommend checking that out too. Yeah, that's cool. I'll keep it on. Yes. Okay. So you talked through some of the different views that people can use. And then before you mentioned the filter function, are there other functions that we should be have on our radar? Yes. So the filter function is the one that I love the most, but there's also a couple of other ones that you can use. So there is the group function. And in that case, it will take all of the content that you have on your post log and just kind of reformat it to be grouped by whatever criteria you want it to be grouped by. So another example for this would be if I, because my blog is cooking from every country, a lot of the tags that I do on my content is based off of what country the food is from. And so when I do the group function, I will just say group by the country column and it will pull up all of my Afghanistan dishes in one group. And then right below that will be my Armenian dishes in one group. And it will just go through the entire alphabet and have all of my content with all of the rest of the information about it also still on the sheet, but now it is just reformatted to be grouped by whatever criteria you want to be grouped by. So you could also do that for holidays. So you could have like all of your Mother's Day ones and then your Father's Day ones and your 4th of July ones all in different little groupings so that you can still see them all together. So that is the one that I use second most. I don't use that one. I I feel like I get confused with filter and group, I guess. So group is more like just chunking them together in like little batches? Yes. Filter gets rid of all of the ones that don't match a Uh, a specific criteria. Okay. And group keeps all of the exact same information on your spreadsheet, but it just reformats it to like be in a different order based off of the criteria that you want. So group doesn't eliminate anything. Correct. If I wanted to see only my Italian posts, I would filter based off of Italy and it would only keep my Italian posts on there. If I wanted to see every single country I've ever cooked with all of them being grouped with the rest of the recipes from that country, then I'd use the group function. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Any other functions you love? 
Yes. And then one of the last ones that I use a lot is the sort function. And so that again, keeps all of the content that you have, but it puts it in order. So either you can have it be in order alphabetically based off of a column that you have. But what I use it most often is putting it in order based off of date by a specific column. So for example, I have a column that is labeled uh, last shared on Instagram. And then every time I share something on Instagram, I will just go into my Airtable and put the date that it has been shared on Instagram. And then I have like sub view of my main post log. So it has all the information that my master post log has, but instead of it being formatted by the article that has most recently been shared on my blog, instead I have the sort function enabled on this kind of sub view. And so it takes all of the content that I have in my blog, but instead it will sort it based off of the date that it was last shared on Instagram from oldest to newest. So there's always a running list of like, oh, I have this piece of content that I really like, but it hasn't been shared on Instagram since 2021. It's now 2023. My audience has grown by many thousands of people. And so um, that would be kind of a good reminder of, oh, this is something that I could reshare. So I use the sort function based off of dates a lot. And then if you combine some of those functions, can you save them as like a template or something? Do you know what I mean? Yes. So if I only wanted to share, so if I was going to use the sort function for like last shared on Instagram, but I only wanted to share the ones that have like beautiful up-to-date photos or something, or for example, now that Instagram has reels, say I have a column in my master post log that is, I have a hands and pans video of this recipe. So I could sort by last shared on Instagram and it will show me my last shared on Instagram, but then I could combine the sort function with the filter function and I could filter out any posts on my entire website that I don't have a video for. And so now it will show me all of the posts I have a video for and it will um, put them in order of last shared on Instagram. And so then I could share one of the recipes that I have that has a video that hasn't been shared on Instagram since 2021. Then that is something that I can like pull from to just kind of put on my content calendar. Yeah. And then there's like a little handy clickable button on the left if you're looking on desktop. Mm -hmm. Do you use this on mobile? I don't use it on mobile. I use it on mobile just for my content calendar because I need to like access that, you know, every day. But other than that, I don't love to use your table on mobile. It's mostly yeah. desktop application for me. I feel like that would make me crazy. So I just do it on desktop. Yeah, it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. But if you click on views, you can, this little window or like side panel comes out and you can click on the different views really easily. So if you're kind of following along with Alexandria and everything she's saying, you can experiment with that. And it's, I mean, like she said earlier, it's not overwhelming. This is so much easier than it probably seems. So yes, that views panel confused me at first because I was like, where do I find the, <laughs> the Kanban or the calendar, but it's like just right there. Yeah. And going off of that too, I always have a ton of views saved on that left hand column, like you were talking about. So I have my master post log and that's always like the top of my list. That is like the main one that I use. But then I also create like sub views where it copies that exact same information. And then I use like the functions, like the filter or the group function or the sort function to kind of meet my needs. But I save those at all times. So I have like a forever 
view on Airtable that is like a sub view of my main one. And I just have it filtered based off of like Christmas recipes. And that just like always stays on the left side of my Airtable. And so when I add something new into my master post log, for example, like over Christmas, if I'm going to be making a Christmas cookie recipe, I'd put it into my master post log. I would tag it with Christmas. And then that sub view would just notice that a new Christmas recipe has been tagged and it would just filter it into my Christmas view that's just living in my Airtable all time. So when Christmas comes and I want to see what my Christmas recipes are, the ones that I've been making, you know, throughout the last couple of months or whatever, will just automatically be populated already into that Christmas view. And I have those saved for so many different things so that me or my VA or whomever has like these already pre-made views that I made like years ago that are just constantly continuing to keep updated based off of the new content that I add to. Yes. Amazing. Glad you talked through that. Are there any other functions that you want to mention, Alexandria? I think those are the main ones that I use. The filter, group, and sort, I think, are the three good ones to know about. All right. So as far as repurposing goes, would you mind talking us through kind of your system? Like how, like, do you have Instagram, Facebook, et cetera? And then how do you kind of systematize that? Yes. So there are a couple different examples for different ways that you can repurpose content. And so I'll kind of run through what some like examples of those would be and then kind of tell you how I would do that on Airtable. So for example, posting a cookie recipe on Instagram in 2022, and then again on 2023, that is an example of repurposing content because you shared something a while ago, you have a new audience now, and that would be a case in which you could repurpose the same content you already have to be shared on the same platform. And so in that case, I use my sort function where I sort by date, I notice all the recipes that haven't been shared in the last couple of years, and then I reshare them. And so I have a view already set up where it's, you know, Instagram last shared. And so when I'm making my content calendar, I'll just pull that up and say, oh, this hasn't been shared in a while and I'll just pop it onto my content calendar. Another example of repurposing content would be reusing the same content on a different platform. So that would be posting a cookie recipe on Instagram and then reposting it to TikTok either on the same day or months, years later. There were a lot of things that I shared on Instagram a while ago. Once I started a TikTok, I had all this content made that had just never been shared on TikTok. So I made a column of, I made a different function of things that need to be shared on TikTok. And it's a list of all of the content that I have that has a video. So the the column for video has a check mark, but the column for shared on TikTok does not have a check mark. And so I filtered my content based off of those two criteria. And it gives me a list of all of the content that I already have that has just never been seen by my TikTok audience. And so I will have that as a view. And whenever I'm making my TikTok content calendar, I will just pull that up and say, oh, TikTok hasn't seen this yet. I'll just pull it over. I have two more. Yeah, go for it. Reformatting a piece of media to be used in a different way on a different platform. So Megan, I actually use you as an example for this because I listened to your really awesome Tastemakers speech on, on podcasting and you were talking about how you can take the content you already have on your blog and kind of reformat that into a script for a podcast. 
And so that's kind of always the example that I think of when it comes to this. And so in that case, you would be able to make columns based off of like, has this been shared in a podcast yet? And does it have scriptable information, for example, like a how-to or kind of an explanation type of thing? If you're having a cooking podcast, you can make a column like, would this be a good podcast script? And has it have I shared it on the podcast yet? And there will be a column for that. And then lastly, redoing posts after years of improvement is another example of just repurposing content because it's the same content you already have. You know that your recipe works. You know that it's a delicious recipe, but maybe you need to have updated photos or updated video. And so in that case, I do have different views on Airtable that um, are sorted by if I have old photos or if I need a video or if it needs to be rewritten based off of new keywords. I have columns for those things and I have kind of views that combine all of those things that let me know, oh, this is a post from 2019 that needs new photos. It needs a new video. It needs to be rewritten. And I can republish this like a brand new post because it's so old that it can kind of be reshared with my audience just like it's new and they probably wouldn't even realize. I have views based off of that too, so that when I am kind of busy and I don't have time to develop a brand new recipe, I can kind of like knock that out in an afternoon because I already know it's going to work. Yeah. Amazing. And then you have one last one. The podcast was one of them. And oh, then the re- podcast. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, redoing the blog post was the other one. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then I, like, how many columns do you have? I feel like hearing you talk through, I'm like, that's a lot of columns and a lot of <laughs> management. But I I mean, I know that making the case for, like, it's totally worth it. But I can understand someone listening might be just intimidated by that. You know what I mean? Yes. That's a good question. Let me see how many columns I have. I have post name, URL, country, and then post types. That's if it's a recipe, a roundup, or an FAQ. The date it was published, if I have a video for it, the social media platforms it has been shared on, and like Pinterest and stuff. The season that goes with it, and then if it has a web story. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of other things that I personally need to keep track of because they were things that like weren't done a long time ago, like um, if it has FAQ schema or nutrition information added and things like that. So it does kind of sound like a lot to manage, but it's actually not that bad when you just have a new recipe go live on your website. You just like create a new line item and then just go through and fill out the information about it. So, you know, one, two times a week or so, I'm just pulling this up and then I'm typing in the country it goes to. I'm typing in if it's a recipe or not. And whenever I schedule you know, once a week, I'll sit down and make my content calendar for the week and I'll just kind of update the dates in there too. So once you kind of build it into your workflow, it's not overwhelming to keep up with at all. The initial setup can be kind of overwhelming, but I have, you know, some tips for that to kind of get your initial setup kind of rocking and rolling in a really easy and intuitive way. And then after that, it just becomes very kind of like part of the process. It takes me like two or three minutes to kind of update my Airtable when I have a new post go live after that. Maybe that's the the initial startup is kind of the overwhelming part. So do you want to talk through that for anyone who's like, well, this sounds great, but I don't know if I have that time to invest. Yes. Yeah. So there are two different ways that you can go about getting an initial Airtable set up. And that, like I said, is the hefty part. Getting it set up and filling in all of the content, all the information on the content you already have, that is an investment of time. Like there's no sugarcoating that. (laughs) But once you have it, then it's not that hard after that. So it's just the process of getting it set up that you need to make as easy on you as possible. So you can either do it manually 
or there's an automated side to this. And so when I set up my personal Airtable, I didn't know that there was a way to automate this. And so back in like 2021, I think, I sat down for literally a full week. I was with my parents for the week. And so I didn't have my stuff to be doing my cooking or anything. And so my whole, all my working hours were like me manually making a new line item for every single article that I have and then filling in all the information. And it took me so long. It took me days. Then I came home and I showed my fiance, who's the data analyst. Oh, look at what I did. I put it all together. It took me ages. And he looked at it and he was like, why would you do it like that? Why did you do it manually? And I was like, I don't know. I just thought that was the only way. So based off of that information, we actually looked into it together and there was a much easier way to do that. (laughs) So don't make the same mistake I did. I'm going to tell you the plugin for anybody listening to this if you want to do it. There is a plugin called WP All Export. And it exports any WordPress data to um, like an XML or CSV file. Um, And you can kind of select the information that you want it to collect about all of the recipes and posts that are already live on your website. And it will just turn that into a big list for you. And then you can just like import that directly into Airtable, which is very intuitive. Um, It has like a little import function. You click that and you click the, the Excel file. I did the same mistake you did. You did. You did it all manually too. And I have probably like, yeah, five times or more the amount of information or posts that you have. So it was, it was crazy. It's kind of embarrassing to admit how much time I spent on that. Yes, same. It is embarrassing to admit, especially because then, then once we found this, we started looking through it and I was like, are you kidding me? I could have done this in in a couple of Oh my gosh. Yeah. The thing to know about that WP All Export plugin is that it will export all of the information that you have told it to, but it does kind of make it a little clunky to import into Airtable. And so it's certainly a lot easier than what I did. Like you you get a list of information <laughs> in like seconds rather than hours or days, but it still does have like a little bit of manual work that can be alleviated a lot if you know how to do like the codings and the functions and the formats on Excel in order to get it to pop into Airtable really, really beautifully. I personally do not have that level of knowledge. And so having that plugin would make everything way better than what I did, but not as easy as it possibly could be because I don't know how to like code, um, how to organize the data that it has given me. So I do also have my fiance that I was telling you about that helped me kind of figure all this out. He does Airtable setups for food bloggers all the time. That's something that he absolutely loves to do. He has so much fun doing it and he loves like calling me over when once done and being like, look at all of this, look at all the cool things I made him do that they wanted. We need people like him. Yeah, he like geeks out about it so much. And so if it's something that you like really want to get an air table set up, but you don't know how to do it, or you don't want to worry about learning the plugin, or you don't want to worry about learning how to do the additional stuff that you still kind of have to do when you have the plugin, you can reach out to him. He's very affordable and he loves to do it. So I can give you his email. Yeah. Awesome. I know Melissa from Mama Gourmand uses him. It's Matt, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And she raves about him. She's like, you wouldn't believe what he did with my content. It's just (laughs) magical. Oh, what a good compliment. He'll be overjoyed to hear that. Yes. So his email, if anyone's interested in getting his help, it's Ulmer, U-L-M-E-R, M-A-T, so Matt, but with just one T, at gmail.com. 
Awesome. That's awesome. And then what else do we need to know about getting started? With your table? Yes. I would just say my biggest advice for getting started is to do it before you think you need to do it. Because don't don't be like Megan and I, where yes. you think you've got it handled until one day your brain is swimming and you're like, what the heck? I don't know what to do. It is so much easier to just get it started from the beginning way before you ever think you need it and then keep it going instead of going back and doing what we did. So if you are listening to this, starting right now is easier than starting anytime after this. So no matter where you are now, start now and then your life will be easier moving forward. Somehow we all think we're immune to like, you know, being overwhelmed by this sort of thing. I was like that. I'm like, no, I am the rare person who can remember everything, every detail about every human that I talk to. And we can't do that. And it adds so much clutter to our minds when like the more content we create, the more it builds up. It's crazy. So I work with food bloggers all the time who are just to that point where they can't, like they're almost like deer in the headlights. Like they don't know how to function as food bloggers because there's that mental clutter. But once you do this, it's amazing how freeing it is. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. Thank you for all of this, Alexandria. This was so helpful. Yeah, of course. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to kind of geek out about it. I love Airtable. So I love talking about it. Yes, same. Go check it out, everyone. And we are wondering, Alexandria, if you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with. Yes. So I have a a day-by-day happy positive quotes calendar that's on my kitchen table. And so what I had today was uh, this great little quote that I love is, little by little becomes a lot. Ooh, yeah. It's funny how that kind of fits in, right? Yes, exactly. Awesome. So you already mentioned how people can reach out to Matt. Why don't you share where people can find you and your socials, your blog, and anything else you want to mention? Yes. If you have any questions on Airtable or food blogging or anything else, I am at the Foreign Fork. That's F-O-R-E-I-G-N, the Foreign Fork. And that is on all of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, etc. And then my blog is www.foreignfork.com. So feel free to DM me anywhere if you'd like. Yes, that's so generous of you. Thank you so much again for being here, Alexandria. And thank you for listening, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Don't forget to head to forum.eatblogtalk.com to join our free discussion forum and connect with and learn from like-minded peers. I will see you next time.